Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Every new year, there's pressure to work out, and it stops people from even starting. But starting is what matters most. So Peloton's made starting easy with up to $600 off Peloton bike purchases and two months free membership. Start moving with the Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, Tread, Row, or Guide, and thousands of classes with instructors ready to support you from day one. Shop Peloton's New Year offers at onepeloton.com slash deals. All access membership separate. Terms apply. This is the Secret Library Podcast, and I am somewhat shocked to share that this is now Season 7. While I was pondering the theme for this season, it felt difficult to narrow in on one thing that would be most useful to us in this moment, which has been so full of confusion, upheaval, turmoil, and stress. But then it came to me that writing is like this too. And after we get started, after we've been working on a project for a while, There is a point where we're uncertain and where we don't know what to do next. It's a point many of us call the murky middle. And it suddenly felt like exactly the right thing to talk about with an illustrious lineup of authors this season, both new debut writers as well as household names, in fact. My guest today is the mind behind the writer therapy substack, Sonal Champsy. Sonal's short fiction and essays have been published by magazines such as The New Quarterly, Rice Paper, and Today's Parent. Her novel in progress, Everyone Can't Be Wrong, was shortlisted for the 2022 UBC HarperCollins Canada Best New Fiction Prize. She was a finalist for the Writers Union of Canada's 2017 Emerging Writers Short Prose Contest and has had a play produced by Pradawani Drama Wing in Seattle. Sonal holds an MFA in creative writing from UBC and has studied with writers such as Gail Anderson Dargatz, Sarah Selecki, Juzi Gardner, and Jessica Westhead. She served on the Prose Editorial Board for PRISM International for five years and is a creative writing instructor for Sarah Selecki's writing school. Sonal lives in Toronto. I was really excited that Sonal was willing to try and experiment with me, which was taking her concept of writer therapy and accepting some questions from the community at the Secret Library Cafe and discussing them about the murky middle for this season. And we had a number of great questions, but we ended up honing in on three because they naturally flowed together and we started referring back to the various questions and how they expanded throughout our conversation. So looking at these questions from these writers and Sonal's and my thoughts in response, we're able to share that struggling with these issues is is part of what it means to be a writer. 
And this was such a beautiful conversation to have, to explore that a bit deeper. I'm delighted to report that Sonal said afterward that she very much enjoyed this experiment, as did I. And so hopefully we'll be able to entice her back on future seasons and explore some more questions on those themes. But for now, I offer you Sonal's advice for the murky middle. Hey, Sonal, thank you for coming on for this experiment. Oh, I'm happy to be here. So I put out a call for questions in the Secret Library Cafe community, and we got some good ones. So I'm going to read them out one at a time, and we can just discuss as we go. Okay, sounds fun. So the first one is from Charla, who says... This is going to sound flippant, but it isn't meant that way at all. Why do I get all my best plot ideas when I'm in the shower or the car or someplace else where I can't write them down immediately? I mean, I'm happy to get the ideas, solved a couple of plot issues this week, but it's maddening because my memory is not what it used to be. Okay. That's a great question, Charlotte, because I also get all of my ideas in the shower or in the car or someplace where I can't write anything down. And it is really annoying. I, you know, it hadn't occurred to me until this moment, but since February, this would be a whole episode of itself. So I'll leave you with this mysterious statement that um, we have not been allowed to use our shower because it leaks into the walls since February. Oh dear. (laughs) So I'm not getting any ideas in the shower. And ever since we moved to Germany, we have no car. So one option is to stop using the shower and stop get showering. rid of your car stop and then and stop driving. I mean, it would be environmentally friendly, but like you know. hideous, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but maybe massively inconvenient and like not, not so pleasant, but I think, um, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, if you were to sit down at your desk and be like, okay, idea come to me, think, 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 of course, nothing's going to come because, um, you know, writing ideas and creativity, it's not like, you know, like accounting where it's like, all right, I'm going to sit down and the numbers are in front of me and I'm going to add them up and I'm going to move around my debits and credits and take my bills and, and do my, my number stuff because it isn't, um, it isn't like this, like, I don't like the left brain, right brain thing. Cause it's not, not real, but it's, it's a good metaphor. It isn't this left brain logical thing. It is, um, heard it described me really nicely um, like yesterday it was like it's this little quiet voice in the corner that you know doesn't always speak up um and we're maybe not used to listening to so when we're in the shower or in the car and our mind is kind of like on auto you know because we're not really normally thinking when we're driving or showering we're just doing our thing and letting our mind calm down and wander that's when there is time and space for that little voice to speak up and be like, so now that you're not busy, I have a thing <laughs> so, so it happens at the times when we don't have something like to write because you know those are usually the times when our mind is wandering and we've given ourselves a little bit of space for, for, um, for that, that little voice to speak up. 
And, you know, maybe some of the ways we could try um, doing it you know, a little more conveniently is stuff like when we sit down and free write, or we, we actually put time in our day to like specifically to daydream. Like I'm going to have an hour and I'm not going to do very much and then see what floats up. Or if we do something like, you know, routine, like doing the dishes, but maybe keep a notepad or something near the, near the dishes. I mean, the moment that that pad is there, your mind's like, okay, I'm going to have an idea. I'm going to have an idea. I'm going to have an idea. And then it's kind of like, it, it shuts it down. But, but, but the more we can kind of give ourselves some space to like not be productive and, and be on autopilot and just let our, our minds wander, um, the, the more those, that little quiet voice can be like, Hey, you're not busy at the moment. So I'd like to just, you know, mention something and then I'm going to go, go, go away and hide again. <laughs> As you were describing this, I got this image, you know, like when there's an eclipse and yeah. they say, don't look directly at it. You can, you need like a device to see it through something else. Yeah. It was sort of like, as you were saying, it's hiding in the corner. It made me think of, of looking through a device that makes it safe to observe. Yeah, to totally. It's like you can't stare directly at the idea. The idea just runs off to the corner like, nope, nope, I, I can't take this attention. <laughs> you know, give, give me a rest. But, but the moment you're not looking directly at it and you're kind of like, you know, just running through stuff and your mind's not very busy, uh, I think you know, it'll, it'll, it'll poke out and reveal itself. So that, that's why it always comes up at inconvenient times, because those are the times when you're not thinking about too much in particular, you're just carrying on with stuff. It's, it's those times when you have that mental space to, to daydream and, and you're not directly looking at anything and you're not being like, okay, you know, brilliant muse, give me an idea. <laughs> light some candles, be like, let's have it. I mean, yeah. that might work, but I think it's quite different energy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could be like, okay, idea, now's a good time. <laughs> but, that would be so nice. I think it would probably take a lot of work. I wonder if you can get past, because I think you're right. When you have a very formal, this is the special notebook, I'm going to put it right here while I'm quote unquote, not trying to get an idea. Yeah. But what if you had clean, uh, like the Kleenex box method of like, you've got Kleenex boxes, at least we do this time of year, kind of just scattered around. So there's one whenever you need it. If yeah. you had like a little thing to write on scattered around so that, you know, if you need one, yeah. you could just scooch it down. Yeah, no, that, that'd be great. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know, like if you could put like a, like a whiteboard or something outside of your shower and just like, you know, like lean out and just like scrawl something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and hope that it like, you know, survives towards the end. But um, but that or or um you know, it, you know, we, we live we have usually carry phones with us. If there's an app on the phone where you can like record something quickly, just be like, you know, you know, donut pizza or whatever the thing is <laughs> <laughs> somehow will remind you. Wouldn't donut pizza be great? Sorry. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So I have yeah. questions about the donut pizza, but I think that could take us very far away. I'm like, is it donut shaped like pizza, a pizza covered in donuts? There are many options. Yeah. But, and I but, think yeah. one other thought I had about this too, is like, if the ideas are coming exclusively at points when it's either impractical or dangerous to record them. Like you're operating a car or you're in the shower and you, there's water everywhere. I would wonder, are there other activities like the ones you're talking about, Sonal, that are 
allow your mind to wander that you can make more space for that would allow you to record something without injuring yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the car is probably not, not a good time to like take your attention away and chase an idea. No. But, um, but I mean, sometimes, you know, like mindless cleaning, sometimes just, you know, going for a walk, but not with a purpose in mind, but just to go for a walk and be present. And, um, you know, for uh, sometimes I get ideas when I'm running, although most of the time it's more like, oh God, still running. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. But for people who are like, you know, comfortable with that, then that, that's a good time. But I, I think that the important thing is like not to expect an idea because you're going for a walk. Because if you go to every walk with like this preconceived sort of like, I will have an idea because I am on a walk, it's not going to come. It's too much pressure. But if you can just take the time in, in the day to like have some time to be, you know, in idleness, right? To, 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 to daydream, to let your mind um, calm down and, and not be thinking about, you know, the to-do list and 50 other things that need to be done and all the practical matters. Um, and I mean, I think that's most of the, the, the thing. It's like when we're in the shower, we're not necessarily thinking about anything in particular and something will pop up, but it doesn't pop up every shower, right? And it doesn't, pop up, it doesn't pop up on every drive. Mm -mm. So, but if we can have those conditions where we're like letting our mind be at ease for a while and we do that as a practice, that gives more opportunities for those ideas to, to pop up. Um, and I mean, I think the other thing is, is that like, I mean, the idea always sounds brilliant in the shower or like, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night and there's some thing or in the car, uh, and then, you know, we get frustrated that we don't remember it. But I, I am of the belief that once that the idea has popped up, it's still in there, right? So we might not remember it precisely, but it's floating around in there and it's transforming and it's doing its thing. So even if you can't remember it or find a good way to record it or find a, a practice in your life where you can, you know, have that time to daydream where it's easy to record stuff, um, it's still in there. And, you know, when you sit down to write and just kind of let it all flow out without any judgment, it will come through in some way. You might not recognize it because maybe it's transformed in there while it's been, you know, churning away. That little voice in the corner has been sitting and, and wondering about it and, you know, finding different things to do with it and playing with all your other little little ideas and voices and in all the many, many corners of your mind, right? So it, it will still come out. So, I mean, I think there, there's some amount of like, you know, you can just let go of the stress of it. It will, it will be there. It will come out at some point. It's, it's, it's great if you can, you know, find ways to capture this or whatever. But I mean, I think just, you know, recognize that, you know, this happens to everybody. Um, and, you know, you can try to capture it and you can try to make more, maybe the sign you just need to make more space in your life to like, you know, have more rest and more ease and more idleness unless, you know, productive productivity unless you know i have 15 to-do lists and here's my app for organizing my life and i mean that's a hard thing to do and because you know we all have busy lives but um you know it might also be a sign that you need to cut back on some things or give yourself a little more space for your 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 mind and your and just mental rest and also just you know don't don't worry about it it's still in there um it will come out at some point and you might not recognize it it might look a little different but it's 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 still there. It's not lost forever. You, you're not going to run out of ideas if you don't catch this one. There will be more. 
right? When, when you're writing, it sounds like the greatest idea ever, but like, it, it's not like you, you have a, a, a finite number of ideas and, you know, they came out in the shower. Now they're all gone. You'll never have. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think, I think that's the important point to trust, as you've said, trust that it's still in there. Love it. Okay. Next question. I love this one. So we're going in a slightly different direction. Um, so Rachel asks, how do you handle, if I can speak properly, how do you handle envy of other writers? I hate that green bug of jealousy, but it comes out every time someone I know or don't publishes after seemingly just starting their novels. Their story is not mine, but it still feels like I'm going too slowly to matter sometimes, or that they're clearly more dedicated that they can finish their work so quickly. Like I'm taking a test in school and a slew of people are handing in their papers so much earlier. Am I missing something? Should this be easy? I know it's my own process and pace, but ugh. Ugh, indeed. Yeah, I, I, I get this. So I have a really unique strategy that I use for myself. I don't know if it works, if it works for anyone else. But um, I have a writing nemesis, who, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. who, who will forever remain nameless, um, although I know exactly who he is, because of course it's a he. Um, of course. And, and my, my writing nemesis has uh, published more than I have. Um, I remember like, you know, one day I was feeling like particularly down about my life in writing. And it was, uh, this is like relevant it was in the middle of infertility treatment and stuff and like he posted on the internet like wow I you know I finished my MFA and I here's a sonograph of my second child being born and I've got this great teaching job and my novel contract and I'm like fuck you dude <laughs> 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 you know why do you have all this good stuff so um you know, I kind of, what I, I've done is I've taken all of my my envy and jealousy and, and, you know, icky feelings, and I've concentrated it all on this one person. Fairly or unfairly, I believe perfectly fairly, because, you know, he's my nemesis, <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> you know, we're actually kind of friends, we're sort of frenemies. So, so I, you know, I think over time, my, my relationship with my nemesis has evolved into more of a healthy competition. But at times it was like, nope, this person sucks. They don't deserve anything. And just every negative feeling I've had, I've concentrated on that one person, which opens me up to be like positive and happy for everybody else, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone else can like, you know, you know, manage this like mental trick so neatly because I don't know how it is that I have, but, but, but it's, it's kind of helped me to do that. Just, just to be like, you know, I, I, I'm allowed to have all of these feelings, I'm just trying to ha not to have them about everybody be because writing is a community and, and we, you know, and it, it works best when we help each other and we are able to like um, be there for each other. I mean, it, you know, we've got this myth about the solo writer and the unhated Garrett. And I, you know, we usually, you know, that image comes from Hemingway where he was you know, writing with, you know, one perfect sentence and at a time and all this, you know, in his little, Parisian Spartan Garrett but I mean that's not a real picture because Hemingway had many wives who was organizing their his life for him and Hemingway would go down to the bar and talk with his buddies you know F. Scott Fitzgerald and Ezra Pound and 
you know, and he would get mentorship from Gertrude Stein. So Hemingway actually had this really connected, wonderful community. Uh, and maybe he felt jealous or nodding, you know, he was kind of a terrible dude. I'm sure he did. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, you know, we, we have to have community. We have to be able to work with other writers, but it is frustrating because like, you know, it's easy to feel like, wow, everyone else is succeeding and I haven't. I mean, I have been working on my novel for many years now and you know, my novel was part of my MFA thesis and so many people who were in the MFA with, with me, you know, the, you know, they graduated before me and then they published novels before me and they're on second novels and grants and books. And I'm sitting here thinking like, why am I working on this thing forever? It's not like it's some like incredible masterpiece that like, you know, I've worked, you know, 20 years on and then, you know, it blows everyone away. It's, 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 you know, I'm, I'm proud of my book, but it's a pretty ordinary book, you know? <laughs> But um, so so I get it. But I mean, you know, and I, I mean, we can tell ourselves all this stuff about like, yes, it's my process and compare and despair. And I, you know, all of this. But like, I think it also helps just acknowledge it. Like, yeah, those feelings are there because we, we want to be more than what we are, you know. And, um, we, you know, we'd like to be succeeding, but often we're getting in our own way um, in some way. And I know I have. I know. You know, partly it's my life is busy. If I look at my my uh, nemesis, I I think that genuinely he has had more time than I have because I think from the little I know of his life, he's had more space for 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 writing than I have. On the other hand, I also know that my nemesis really does put in the work. Like he writes every day, gets feedback. He you know he's really been doing it, and I don't I haven't always done that. And some of that is circumstances, and some of that is like. Um, I have a hard time in routinely sitting down and doing anything. Like my ongoing struggle is that I am a writer and yet somehow I always struggle to write. Um, and all the wonderful advice about like, you know, routines and rewards and habits has always, you know, failed at some point for me. And I've just accepted that like, I am just a writer with sort of a chaotic process that sometimes I am writing routinely and sometimes I'm really fighting to sit down. And sometimes I just decide, nope, I'm not writing at all for a bit because that's fine. So I think it's, you know, you know, how to handle it is, 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 you know, have an outlet for it of some kind, you know, have a place where you can sit and acknowledge that, like, I feel shitty about this and I don't like that other people are succeeding, but also, you know, you don't have to feel bad about the fact that you don't make time for writing the same way other people do, because they have gone through their own thing to figure out how to do this. You haven't figured it out yet. Um, you know, and if you're sitting there looking at like, wow, these people have figured it out and then start beating up on yourself by saying, well, I, you know, clearly I'm useless or I haven't done it or I'm not good enough or whatever. That's a lot of time and energy spent on something like that, that's working against you to beat yourself up on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think the other thing about it is like, all of this part of it is like the part until you finish the book, which is a whole chunk of it. Like there is no book to put out until it's finished. Yeah. And on the other side, I feel like the other half is this part that is literally a crapshoot. Like once you finish the book and you start looking for a home for it. So if you're at this point and feeling a lot of envy, like, oh, these people they just wrote this book and it was immediately published or they immediately got somewhere to put it. If they 
didn't choose to publish it independently, but they they found an agent in five minutes or they this uh, the they sold the book in a week out on submission or whatever. It's I the thing I try to think about with that is that once the book is done to your standard, the process after that is so similar to dating. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that you could meet somebody who's the perfect fit immediately. And you could meet somebody in 10 years who's the perfect fit or not at all. I mean, it's, and we can't understand why that is. No. And and you have to let go of control of all that. And, you know, I mean, just when you're saying, but immediately, I mean, I mean, you know, we also don't usually know what is going on for, for all of these writers in, you know, in the background. I mean, like, it seems like it's like an immediate overnight success. Right. But you know, all of the times when they were like sitting around going like, gosh, you know, I, I am a terrible writer and I can't do anything. They don't put that on social media. Right? No. <laughs> you know? I mean, this is specifically why, I, you know, on my, my Instagram, I do like things I did instead of writing. That's specifically why. I put- <laughs> yeah, because it's like we are all doing things instead of writing. So I would like to let people know that, yes, I am actually a writer, but I, I actually do a lot of things that are not writing. I do a lot of avoiding writing. Um, for a while, I think the only writing I was doing was like, here are the things I did instead of writing, you know, um, you know, because we, 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 we don't see it. I mean, like I, I'm, I was really fortunate recently, like, you know, I've shortlisted in a, in a writing prize and, um, you know, in like, you know, from that I'm getting like some buzz and, and which is nice. And like, so hopefully, you know, in time I will, you know, once this book is done, I'll be able to get an agent fairly quickly. Um, but you know, the, the other side of this is that like, you know, someone might like, look at that be like, wow, you know, her, her, she was shortlisted right away and she picked up an agent right away. And it was like this instant overnight success, but that also misses out on like the years of like self-doubt and struggle that I'm on, like, you know, draft freaking 10 of this stupid novel, <laughs> which takes forever. And I thought, keep thinking is done and it's not done. It doesn't look at, um, years of like teaching and working on, on craft. It doesn't look at the times, like the couple of years where I gave up on the novel because it was just like, I'm not getting here anywhere with this, anywhere with this. And I'm, I'm frustrated with the process. It doesn't look at the time, that time when I sent it out to agents and, you know, got great feedback, but they all told me not ready yet. Uh, it doesn't look at the short stories that I, I, I put out. It doesn't look at all the, the self-doubt, the time, like I actively quit the novel and said I'm letting it go and then pulled it out and rewrote it and then halfway through realized nope and then went back and redid the structure so all of that messy murky ugly stuff like we don't always see that we we see the public bits which are fun and sparkly and exciting and, and it looks like oh my god someone succeeded overnight but I mean that's that's a rare thing to succeed overnight I mean there's there's probably some writer who's doing that and I hate them yeah there's like two of them and the rest of us hate them and I don't I can't identify who they are right now I mean I think that's true it's like nobody talks about the murky middle when it's happening they only publish the shiny bits and then everybody envies it and it's not fair because that's not even true yeah yeah I mean like there's a long time of of process and self-doubt and like you know I mean we call it the murky middle because when you're in the middle of any kind of a big project you, you know um, it looks awful and terrible and endless and like, <laughs> in the first place, right? And like that's yep. where all the self-doubt comes in. And I think that's where, where Rachel is, is a lot probably with a lot of her, her projects that 
you're in the middle of stuff and it just, you know, it's the awful point. And when you're in the middle of the pit of awful point, you see all the look up and see all the people floating above, like, like effortlessly. I mean, they were jumping out of that pit before you just didn't see them because you're also in your own pit. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to see very, when you're down in the pit, you can't really see. There's no vantage point. No, you don't no. get the vista. Yeah. You're just in this like dark hole going, God, why did I do this? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Love it. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully that helps Rachel, at least know that we're all in it with you. Absolutely. And, you know, get a nemesis and tell tell your, your writing friends, like why they are the worst writer ever and should not be successful. And, um, and hopefully be happy for other people in your community who are like struggling in this with you, because there are a lot of us struggling in this with you. Like, like everybody. Everybody. What in practice, actually, story this reminds me of, I remember reading um, Ram Dass talking about how he so struggled to make space for some people. He's just like, I cannot. This is sort of the opposite, but I think it also could work as a writing desk. We could have a writing desk version of this. But he had his little, you know, puja table set up where he would meditate every day. And he had like, Jesus and Buddha and, you know, really positive figures. And then this was in the seventies. So he had this figure who was, I think the secretary of defense of the U S who was involved in a lot of shady stuff, Casper Weinberger. And he just could not Casper Weinberger was like his nemesis. And so he had a picture of Casper Weinberger on the table and he was like, okay, I feel like I'm this very, I'm working really hard to be compassionate to everybody. And he'll be like, okay, Jesus, I feel compassionate. I look at Buddha and oh God, Casper Weinberger. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to make some space for Casper Weinberger. So it's almost like bring that nemesis, get a picture of them and put it on your writing desk and be like, you bastard. I'm going to show you. Yeah. Throw darts at it. (laughs) Oh, totally. Dartboard is great. I wonder if we could get custom nemesis dartboards. (laughs) Just put it across your room and just chuck them. You know, Roxanne um, Gay occasionally talks about having a nemesis. So this is a real thing. Oh. I had a nemesis before Roxanne Gay started talking about a nemesis. Ooh, you're so edgy. So, I know. I'm, I'm I'm like way ahead of the nemesis curve. But like <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good memoir title, Ahead of the Nemesis Curve. I would so read it. A book about my enemies and why they suck. <laughs> I know. And you're like, but I can't name them. You're just going to have to guess. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, we've got another one, which sort of feeds on the previous one a little bit. So Stephanie writes, some weeks or months or years are more hectic than others. So any tricks or tips for squeezing writerly moments into a busy period of life? It would be great to still feel like I'm writing and creating even during the times that are not long stretches of time when there are not long stretches of time for writing. That, that is a great one. And I, I totally feel that because I, you know, I have a busy life. I have two young kids. So like, you know, there are school times that are busier or when they're home or, you know, often my busy times just show up unexpectedly. Like my, actually my daughter's homesick today. So it's like, oh, well, I didn't expect this today. I was expecting a quiet morning and talking writing, but no. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so I think the first, uh, I think I have is like, you know, don't squeeze. Um, and I know that goes contrary to every writing advice, but write every day and have time for writing every day. 
but you know, if it's a squeeze, don't squeeze. Um, because there are times in our lives where it is genuinely too hectic to, to sit down and, and write. And, you know, um, and that's okay. We have lives, you know, we have partners and jobs and kids and friends and work and social obligations and volunteer obligations and, you know, other interests. I mean, you know, you can talk about writing being all consuming, but I mean, there's other stuff. And I mean, there's so much good TV to watch as well. <laughs> you know, like, you know. And that's consuming story. Absolutely. It's consuming story. Right. But, um, but like, don't, don't squeeze because I think when you have so many hours in the day, um, there's only so much mental space you can do. And you, there's only so much, you know, I'm just going to get up earlier and do it. And I'm going to just stay up later and do it. And I'm going to, you know, try to multitask it that you can do it. I mean, it's, I know it's like, you know, it feels like, oh, but I'm abandoning my right. I'm not being productive, but like, you know, writing isn't productive. I mean, that's, that's, I guess, you know, tying back a little bit into what, you know, uh, Rachel's question, it's like, that's sometimes why it feels like we're going so slowly. It's because we have a lot on our plates. A and, um, you know, no one's saying take everything off your plate because it's it's not practical to take everything off your plate all the time. You can't just be like, well, I'm not going to work anymore. And somehow I will just, you know, live in a place and feed myself without paying money for it. Because unfortunately, we don't live in that world where that works. No, not, not at this moment. No, not at this moment. I mean, that would be great, but we're not, you know, we're not there yet. Um, so I would say, you know, if you know you're coming into a period where it's going to be a tight squeeze, or if a bunch of chaos has entered your life, hello, um, pandemic of the last number of years. <laughs> you know, like, you know, if a bunch of chaos and stress is, you know, entering your life, um, don't try to squeeze it in. That said, that doesn't mean you have to shut off all creativity, but you might just need to expand the definition of what it is. I think sometimes we get locked into this idea is that it only counts as writing if I'm working on a project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we don't always have the mental space for working on a project, especially if you're working on something um, long, like a novel where you, you need a lot of like mental, mental space to kind of take it all in. Or if you're, you know, still in that idea generation thing, and you're just like really, you know, going through a bunch of stuff. I mean, there are sometimes in a, in a writing process, um, we need more space for it than we have. So maybe it's a good idea to realize that I, you know, I can't squeeze it in because my life is really tight right now. So, um, so don't, but, but think of other things that you could do that are, uh, creative that you could fit in a small time because it kind of keeps that um, container open for creativity. So that could be just free writing because that could be just, you know, just generating ideas or just, you know, touching that little um, creative mindset to be like, yep, no, I'm still here. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm not engaging with you deeply right now, but I'm just sending you a little note to say, hey, still around. Um, and that could be uh, other forms of creativity. It could be sketching, it could be drawing, it could be knitting, it could be um, baking, it could be uh, anything that you do that is, you know, creative in some way. You know, we don't always have to write as creative people. We can do other things. And we don't have to be experts at them. You could be like, you know, the world's shittiest painter and still want to paint. And that's fine because you can do it just to keep that little... Um, you know, that little mental space for, for, for creativity and that little meditative space in there. Um, 
or, you know, I think one of the things that I've been increasingly coming around to the idea of is having like a recess project where it's like a fun side project to do aside from your, your main projects where it's like, okay, I don't have time for the main one or I, you know, I need a mental break from it. Let me just work on something that's like, you know, fun and goofy and silly just for the heck of it. Um, and maybe it will turn into something and maybe not, but it gives you kind of a breakaway, but maybe that's something you can squeeze into smaller bits. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you, if you have to stop for a bit because life is too hectic, stop. Um, but if you, you can make, you know, 15 minutes, you don't have to make it a productive 15 minutes. You can just make it a fun 15 minutes. You can just make it a creative check-in 15 minutes of like, yep, still here. Don't have time for a long chat, but I just wanted to say hello and, uh, see you later. Dropped off my cookies and I'm running out the door. So like, you know, um. I think that's true because I like, I love the idea of don't squeeze. I feel like don't squeeze makes me think of a book I read this year that I've thought about the whole time. And another friend who's a writer recommended it. It's um, Oliver Berkman's 4,000 Weeks, mm -hmm. which is essentially, you know, we only get so much time. And so optimizing at a certain point is not is not the answer. So don't optimize, don't optimize and don't use all your creativity up optimizing, you yeah. know, assess, do I really want to be doing these things? And in these little five, 10, 15 minute chunks, I like the idea of sneaking much more than squeezing. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ooh, I can sneak off and cheat on these other things that I'm doing and just scribble a little bit. That have to me yeah. just have feels like a treat. Have, have a torrid affair with your pencil, you know? Like Exactly. It's, I mean, I remember Elizabeth Gilbert giving this advice in her podcast, Magic Lessons, when Big Magic came out of just like, can you sneak off and not even tell anybody you're doing it and just sneak it in so that it feels not like one more obligation on these lists when you're in a busy period and you're like, oh God, I got to go do this and I got to pick so-and-so up and I got to drop them off and pick other so-and-so up and take them over here and do this. Like you don't need another, oh, I got to get this many words done kind yeah. of item, yeah. but I can sneak off into an entirely different, different fictional world for 15 minutes and escape all of this. Yes, please. Yeah. And I mean, I think to that, that point about we only have so much time. I remember um, I had a student years ago when we were talking about like, okay, this is our writing week for a class. Let's talk about, um, you know, strategies that we can, we can use to like squeeze in more writing time. And, you know, uh, one of them, you know, she was talking about like how she's just busy all the time and she's, you know, making dinner with the kids and all of this. And like, she's like, well, maybe I can get up earlier. And I'm like, oh, no one no. wants to get up earlier. No. And I Unless that feels joyful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mean, not to me. I'm not. A no, me either. Person, me either. But there are apparently there are morning people out there and I don't understand them. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, you know, I, I remember suggesting to her, well, you know, because I think her kids were teenagers or something. It's like, what if for a week they ate like frozen food, you know, for a week, just while you made time for 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 writing. And she was like, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> Because it hadn't occurred to her that she could lower the standards for everybody else. Because I think that's what happens. I mean, so many, you know, like people who are, are it's funny because so many people I, I, I teach or in writing communities are, are women. And, and yep. you know, 
I mean, not exclusively, but a lot. And a lot of the time women kind of end up taking on all kinds of care tasks. And it's like, you could probably let some of those go. Not everything, because, you know, I have a three-year-old, I can't let that go. <laughs> but, um, but, but some of it you could let go or, or lower the standard on. Like you, you could, you know, order in, like take out, if you can port it for a week or, you know, freeze foods to prepare to have some time. If you, especially if you know busy times are coming, it's like, okay, what can I do now? to free up some time later, or how can I uh, let some stuff go? Or maybe I, I shouldn't volunteer for the PTA, or maybe my brother can like, you know, visit mom this week or, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, maybe I don't need to st spend extra hours at work this week. And I'm not saying you give up these things forever, but especially if you're coming into hectic times, Maybe there are other things that are not your writing that you can let go of. And that doesn't mean you let go of it and you fill it up with writing, but maybe you let go of it and just have that a little bit of ease for yourself, um, you know, and, and not think, okay, well, I've taken this off the to-do list. So let me put this like ta other writing task on the to-do list, but let me take this off the to-do list. So I have a little mental space um, for my own self-care that isn't necessarily like, well, get a manicure and a massage because those things are wonderful, but um, they don't give back to us in the same way as saying, I, I need time for my brain to be at rest, to be at idleness. This kind of feels like it goes back to uh, Charles' question. Yes, it does. Have that space in my life for, for a little bit of creative time or just um, daydreaming or whatever. Because uh, I, I think we don't often give that to ourselves. Our culture is such that it doesn't you know, it doesn't reward giving that to ourselves, but we need that that time, especially as creative people to like, just um, have that little little bit of space where we're not like filling it with like to do's and, and how do I show the world that I'm a good parent, good employee, excellent, you know, um, child to my family or great friend to my chosen family or, or, or whatever, you know, um, we can maybe let go more than we think we can you know, which is something I need to tell myself every day. I know me too, but I think it is, it's, we have to remind ourselves that we are not valuable based on what we produce. hundred percent. Yeah. So you're not a less valuable parent. If, if maybe you involve the teenagers and say, what do you guys feel like eating for dinner? Do you want to strategize together and figure something out? And it might be crazy. And that's okay for a night. Maybe they, they enjoy might, it. They, they might be eating pizza all week, but you know what? They're fit. <laughs> yeah. And they feel like, oh, wow, actually, maybe I don't feel so great after I did that. Maybe you have a point. Yeah. Maybe and they you know won't that, have that awareness, but you know, you can dream. <laughs> you know, actually what you're saying, like we don't, you know, measuring our worth about being productive. I think that goes back to Rachel's question. I mean, like, you know, it's also about our writing, you know, quote unquote productivity. We don't have to like say, you know, we don't measure our worth as writers by like, I have X number of publications and this amazing agent and, you know, you know, my, my writing contract is with like a, you know, one of the big five publishers versus like, you know, some smaller, like we, we can't measure our worth based on that either as writers. And I think we get into a trap when we try to do it that way, because like, as you said, it's, it's, it's a crapshoot. Um, you know, you know, you can make the the writing as good as you can. You can, um, you know, keep sending it out and be persistent. But after that, it's it's you know someone else's taste and someone else's timing for for it. And you have no control over that. 
And, um, you know, we can look at other people's stuff, but we don't have to, you don't have to compare because the, their value as a writer is not based on like, you know, their CV and your value as a writer is not based on your CV. I mean, if you don't have, you know, other people might see it that way, but, you know, real writers don't. We, we understand that it's not a, a, a point. It's not a competition. It's not like, well, you know, you're not a real writer because you didn't get something published or you don't have an agent or whatever, because if we use that as the standard, we are always reaching for a higher and higher thing and we're never happy and we're never satisfied. Um, but we're a real writer because we want to write. It doesn't even matter how many words we wrote today. It's just, I want to write, therefore I am a writer. I have this, this desire in me to write. I am a writer. You may not have produced anything. You know, you may not have written anything. Your life might have been too hectic, but that's okay. Um, I have very frequently been a writer who didn't write a thing. <laughs> you know, but, um, and as much as I, I, I wish I was the kind of writer who was able to sit down and crank out a book every couple of years and have like, you know, my my book on the shelves and my name down the spine and, you know, all of that stuff, because that sounds super fun. Um, you know, that it doesn't mean I was not a writer for the many years where I was struggling with it. And that that applies to everybody. You know, you're 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 all still writers, even if you're kind of in the muck of it all and trying to figure out, like, how do you fit this into your life? And, and you know, how do you work with those ideas or how do you get anything done or how, you know, how long is it going to take you to have something out there in the world that other people can see? Yeah. This is this is so important. And I think this goes into also Stephanie's question. I feel like we're working ourselves into a really nice wrap up here. I'm sorry for anyone whose question we didn't get to, but I feel like these have paired so nicely in that I think the thing that, that Stephanie is talking about also in terms of how can you still stay connected is that one of the things I think about is that people are writers because of the way they engage with the world. So even if you're in a really hectic period of time, you're still gathering bits of dialogue. You're overhearing things, you're listening, and you get to experience the world differently because you're a writer. I mean, I'm currently working on mystery. So I'm constantly looking at people who could be bumped off, reasons <laughs> they could be bumped off, reasons they could be so irritating or someone could be taken out, why that would happen. I mean, I thankfully, I mean, I think a lot of people find this very disturbing, but I was once at a dinner with a bunch of people talking about ways you could bum people off. It was lovely to be with a bunch of other mystery people because it's not the sort of meal that you generally want the world overhearing but this oh. this is these people may you know all of them there some yeah. were published some were not but there was it didn't dampen the enthusiasm or the enjoyment of the conversation you know the moment you said you know you know people that could be bumped off my brain instantly went to my nemesis and like <laughs> <laughs> suddenly disappear <laughs> Oh man, Sonal's first mystery was <laughs> conceived in this episode. Oh my God, that would be a great mystery plot. Like the writer who had a nemesis. Oh, so good. And then like, you know, suddenly they disappeared, but you know, did she do it or not? Or did was she just oh. driven insane by like millions of characters? Did she even have time to squeeze in a murder? Right. I know, can you fit in a murder? This is a real question. <laughs> or is it, you know, does it count as murder if it was a crime of passion, you know, all of these questions are part of it. But I think it's, 
writers are weird and that this is what we think about. We're constantly thinking, can I use this? Can I use this? And you can use those weird meetings that you're in, the conversation stuff people say, all of that, use it. And then yeah. it's worth it. And you weren't busy, you were gathering material. <laughs> No, absolutely. And I mean, like, you know, I, you know, we're, you know, we're at least right now and we're coming towards the end of the year and the holidays and all of that. And it's sort of like holidays are amazing for like, you know, awkward family. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, you know, you, you can look at it and be like, oh my God, I've got all these things to do to prepare. Or it can be like, ooh, uncomfortable moments. <laughs> Here they come. Yeah. Conflict, conflict gathering. It is the conflict gathering season. We're going to put it all in there and see what we get. Absolutely. There's plenty, there's plenty out there, but I think that, yeah, I think that as you've said, like being a writer means that you're in this conversation and that you're asking these kinds of questions. I think people think that we have to have the answers to these questions, but you never have the answers to these. It's not like Sonal and I will stop recording and then be like, ha, ha, ha. Isn't it so wonderful? <laughs> we figured all of these out. Nothing, of, none of this is a problem for us. We are absolutely not true. <laughs> no, none of it. None of it. It's just that we enjoy being stuck in the middle of it yeah. to some extent, not every single minute. No, no. But I mean, it, it, it's like anything worth doing. You know, there are bits of it you love and you enjoy. And then there are bits of it that are, are, are terrible. And I'm, you know, I'm going to use my kids as an example, because there are things that are wonderful and lovely and adorable about them. And they're like amazing children. And then there are like things that are really, really annoying. You know? <laughs> and like, there are moments where it's like, wow, I, I have learned a skill in cleaning up vomit. And that is not something that I thought I ever would need in my life, but here we are. And and sometimes writing is like that. And sometimes life is like that. Like, you know, that some days you're just, you're in the mucky middle cleaning up, you know, vomit of some kind. That was a really ugly metaphor. But it's so accurate though. It's like there are these moments and then, but that's a great detail to put in a story too. Cause then people will be like, oh, she gets it. If she described that puke with authority and I feel like she was really there. And every, other people have this skill, you know, they know this moment and it's, even if it feels really ugly and gross, it's yeah. it's meaningful because it's a real part of life and yeah. we include and, and, you it. Know, and those thoughts, those weird little thoughts, counts as writing right when you're yes. sitting there thinking, how can I use this it counts as writing it counts as squeezing it in during the day when you're sitting back and being like wow this is terrible or your own little observations or your own little like weird quirky humor about it or like how you could use this or wouldn't this be a great scene or something like this like I remember like a friend of mine was telling me about a conversation between her her husband and and his sister and it was like like they have like terrible family dynamics. My first thought was like, this would be an awesome short story. <laughs> <laughs> I know, totally. You're like, ooh, I'm putting you in. Yeah, and it's in. like, counts as writing. I'm here talking to my friend and supporting her, but still my brain is like, wow, these people are awful. I love it. <laughs> Tell me oh more. yeah, we are, we, are, we are weird that way, but we do, we think that. We're just like, yeah. ooh, that's bad. I'm, I'm keeping it. Yeah. I don't know when I'm going to bring it out, but it's in there. It's in there. But that counts as writing every day because you've had that thought, you've touched that creative thing, you've collected that little detail that, you know, is going to sit around in there and get turned around and it will come out unexpectedly on the page one day. And you'll be like, where did that come from? It came from that time in your life when you were really busy and, you know, you're running around and there's all kinds of other stuff happening. Um, 
Because I think, you know, sometimes we get this image that, you know, what, you know, the day I become a writer, my life will be empty except for this desk. <laughs> I'll write at it and beautiful no. things will come out. No, I mean, no, I mean like, no, no, no. Where are you going to get your, the stuff you write about? You have to engage in life and life is messy and life takes up time. <laughs> and uh, so much. And yeah. it's, there, there's space for all of it. I mean, I think the other thing to remember to go back to what you said to Charla is, also, trust in these busy moments. You don't have to take dictation on all of these conversations for them to be in the hopper, so to speak. They're in the they're in the crock pot. They're stewing away in there as you gather and experience all of this. Yeah, it, it is that like in, I don't know if you remember this story. The stone soup where everyone's contributing, uh-huh. to all sitting there and 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 melding away and turning into something, and you don't know what it is yet because just there's always stuff being added to it, you know, and and you you pull some out and there's still soup. It's, it's not, it's never going to empty out. You're never going to run out of ideas. So if you, if you miss one, if you spill a bowl, it's okay. There's still more stuff being added all the time. It's an endless supply. So you can relax a little bit. If like, you know, if one got away and it was going to be like, you think it was like the most delicious bowl of soup ever. There's more soup. There's more soup. And the longer it stews, the better it gets. So it's okay. If you wait a little longer, it's all right. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has been so fun. Thank you, yeah. Sonal, for agreeing to be a part of this experiment. Love being it. And um, I encourage you to check out Sonal's stub deck. We have links in the show notes so you can see her letters to writers. You can even write in and see if you get you get to be in a post, maybe. And just keep keep paying attention. Don't give yourself a hard time. These are parts of getting through the murky middle. And... Thank you for such good questions, everybody. Thank you for joining me, Sonal. It's been a joy. This has been super fun, Carolyn. Thank you. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.